you're listening to the P-Town Church Podcast. To learn more about our in-person services or additional sermon content like this, visit palcc.org. That's P-A-L-C-C dot O-R-G. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can open up Hebrews chapter 5 or open your apps up or whatever you need to go along with what we're talking about here today. Solid sacrifice is the subject for today. And again, we're relating it to motherhood. So today we're talking about how motherhood is solid. It's something that solidifies our life and encourages us. We're also going to talk about the significance of strong meat, which is a part of what the text reveals to us today. You know, a couple weeks ago, I introduced you to the idea of the Mama Bear Apologetics. It's a website. It's a group of women who are dedicated to uh, understanding the, the Word of God. They train themselves. Their, their motto is train yourself, equip your kids. And then it goes on to say, learn how to raise kids who think critically, love biblically, and st- stand firm against the cultural tide. And a lot of this is flowing out of a lot of young women, a lot of uh, young mothers who are coming out of Bible colleges and seminaries. They have uh, been trained and schooled in the idea of apologetics and the defense of the gospel. And so they're applying that to their homes and to the raising of their children. And we need more mamas like that, don't you agree? We need the, the young mamas who have a passion for training their kids in what it looks like to live in righteousness. And I believe they want to put into effect what we're going to talk about here today from Hebrews 5, 11 through 14, and put that fully effect into the lives of their kids. So let's look at the text today, Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. It says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now before we go any further, let me just define this idea of mature here in Scripture. Solid food is for the mature. It is for those who are willing to have complete thinking, feeling, and doing in their lives. It's going to cover every aspect of who we are as people, of human beings. The way we think, the way we feel, and what we do. Maturity is being complete in that as we allow God to get us where we need to go. It fits right into that idea of what sin is, falling short of God's goal for us. Maturity is us fully enjoying and uh, realizing his goal for us. Maturity, completion. There's revivalhood of motherhood. Uh, The revival of motherhood is making our future solid because a new generation of complete thinkers and feelers and doers is being raised up. And we, um, excuse me here, I have a little computer issue, if you don't mind. It's stuck. Are you going to cooperate there? No. No. Okay. Well, I'm not sure what's going on here. Give me a second. How's everybody doing today? Everybody okay? All right. So the best thing to do is to shut it off. 
and then turn it back on and we'll see how it works, okay? Control Alt Delete. Control Alt Delete. All right, will that do it? Yeah, there we go. So hopefully I don't hit a bad button there. Okay, so today as we talk about maturity, the idea that we're trying to communicate that motherhood often represents is how we can make our future solid because the new generation of complete thinkers, feelers, and doers are being raised up. And it starts with the new generation. Now we have, we can try if we are infantile in the way that we think or we're living on the milk of the word, we're not growing, we need to start working on ourselves and start digging into the strong meat of God's word. But more importantly, we need to make sure we're training our children and grandchildren so that they're being raised up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And as I said, the basis of this thinking is as simple as distinguishing between good and evil. It's not hard. And we do that by constantly appealing to Jesus, who has provided the solid sacrifice in the form of strong meat. The word there, steros, stereos, trophe, which just means strong meat, solid food. He has provided that for us, and when we make the solid sacrifice to die to ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus, that's what makes us mature. We study, we look into God's Word, and God's Word makes it clear that what maturity is is when we deny self, take up our cross, and follow Christ to do what He says, to do that which is right. Because when we do what is right, then we will reach the goal that God has for all of us. That is maturity. That is the spot, that sweet spot we'll talk about here in a little bit, that God wants us to live in as His children. When we make the solid sacrifice to die to ourselves and take up the cross, that completes us. And the word for mature here in Hebrews is teleos. And I learned this uh, when I was in Bible college, our uh, Greek professor, uh, at the end of every test, he wrote the words ta telos, which means the end. And the form of that, teleos, comes from this idea of maturity. It's the end. It's where we want to be. It's where God wants us to be. It's when we are complete. And when we are teleos, when we've reached there, we've come to that complete idea. The, the word in Greek uh, renders this way. It's complete in various applications of labor, growth, mental and moral character, etc. In other words, you've, you're mature. You're complete. The way you think what you feel, and what you do. And when we're mature in Christ, we're complete in our thinking. We're complete in our feeling. We're complete in our doing. And that's why we'll talk about that over and over again here today. So today, as we honor the idea, solid motherhood, which teaches and trains the solid sacrifice of Jesus to our kids and grands, we're going to learn what prevents us from becoming mature and then what powers us towards maturity. Because both things are working in your life right now. There are things that are preventing you from becoming mature in Christ, and there are things that you can take advantage of that will power you towards maturity. Maturity finds its beginning in those who themselves will make the solid sacrifice just like Jesus did. The solid sacrifice that Alan's already described for us today is that he gave of himself. He denied himself. He took up his cross and he did God's will. Remember what we talked about last week. Not my will, but your will. Jesus knew that that's what would bring him completely to the, to the plan God had for him. And he took up his cross and he willingly laid down his life and he died. And God had that plan. Third day, he'd raise up. 
and he would live eternally and sit at the right hand of the throne in heaven, and then he would become the author of salvation for all of us. That was the plan. God has a similar plan for you, but there are things that are happening in your life right now that you're allowing them to prevent you from accepting that and fulfilling that maturity in you. So let me encourage you how to power towards maturity. Maturity finds its beginning when we sacrifice ourselves. Luke 9, 23 through 25 describes it this way. Jesus said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the entire world and yet lose or forfeit their soul. There's this battle that's going on in our daily lives. We're either laying down ourselves so that we can take up our cross and follow Jesus, or we're pursuing whatever the world's teaching us that we need to do, and we're forfeiting our very soul. And this is interesting because in this particular day and age, the world's very blatant about this challenge. They don't want children or grandchildren or grandchildren to follow anything that's religious or has anything to do with the church or anything after Christ. They want to be indoctrinated in all the pleasures of the world, all the dark, dank, weird things. We want to teach our, grand, our, our kindergartners, first and grade, we want to teach them the weirdest things in the world because the world says that's what makes them whole. But it doesn't. It destroys them. Only when we are like Christ are we made whole. So let's dig into this here because we want to talk about the thing that prevents us from experiencing maturity. And it's when we are infantile in our approach to what God has for us. And then it, we are incomplete in our immaturity. When it comes to maturity, some will remain purposefully stupid. And the reason I use that word is because the Greek renders that way. We are purposefully stupid not even grasping basic principles, and though they need meat, they can only handle milk, which feeds their simple minds, so they remain unskilled and ignorant when it comes to complete thinking, feeling, and doing. Again, Hebrews 11 through 13, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. We just give up. We learn the basic elementary principles. Jesus loves us. He saves us. And hopefully someday we'll go to heaven. And I can't tell you how, what percentage of Christians live that way, but it's the majority. It's hard to make it clear to you because you do not even try to understand. That's where we get that idea of purposefully stupid. We have all the riches of information in the world that's available to us, but we don't take advantage of it. We don't dig in, in into the strong meat of God's Word, the powerful meat of God's Word. And so we remain purposefully stupid. Because, well, I have time. I don't have time to memorize the Bible. I don't have time to read it. I don't have time to meditate on it. I don't have to, time to go to church. I don't have time to do any of those things. I don't have time to be taught. And trust me, there are so many great teachers you don't have to necessarily come to church. I'm not advocating this, but there are so many teachers you can listen to every day that can teach you about God's Word if you want to. Continues, in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. Again, it's not even taking root in their hearts. It says you need milk, not solid food. And anyone who lives on milk being still an infant, that I'm, 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 idea again is rendered infant, could be child but it also could mean simple-minded. That's all you want to be is just simple-minded. And if you're that way, it is not acquainted. They are unskillful, ignorant about the teaching of righteousness. 
And that righteousness is that idea where we come to that complete thinking, complete feeling, complete doing. That is the right way to live. And I think righteousness kind of gets a weird um, understanding in our culture. We think about righteousness as perfection, and it's not. Maturity is just getting to the place where God wants you to go and grow. That's maturity. That's righteousness. And when we live in righteousness, what we're doing is we're thinking about the right way to think, the right way to feel, and the right way to do, and ignoring what the world tells us we should think, feel, and do so that we can get where God wants us to go. We must be diligent and imitate those who inherit what is promised. When we're looking at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10 through 12, The Hebrew writer says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. God doesn't forget what we do. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy. That's that same word as uh, is used a little earlier. Purposefully stupid. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. And we can look at Hebrews 11. You can look at the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. But that's what the purpose of Scripture is. You read Scripture, you read all the stories about Abraham, Moses, David, all the different people in the Old Testament, and then all the folks in the New Testament out about the apostles and their struggle, the Gospels and the story of Jesus All of that is designed to encourage you not to be a lazy, but to inherit the same level of faith these people had. They fully realized what God's plan was for them. Now, I have a simple question for you this morning. Are you fully realizing God's plan for you? Or do you think you're falling short? Hmm. It's a tough question to ask. It'd be a difficult one for me to even be honest about with myself. But the other question is, am I heading in that direction? Or am I being purposefully stupid, ignorant, unskilled, saying, ah, I'm good enough. You know, what we got is good enough. The real life application for this is that our culture, young people, they are, uh, as we mentioned, weak and struggling. Mike Rowe warns that 7 million American men who are in prime working age, are done looking for work and have punched out. They just quit looking for jobs, creating what some have called the boomerang generation. The definition of that often referred to as the boomerang generation. This group of young people includes roughly one in three Americans between the ages of 18 and 35, according to the most recent data from the U.S. Census. This means more parents are faced with their adult kids just moving back home. Why do they move back home? Well, they need someone to help them financially. They need someone to help them emotionally. They need someone to help them physically. You know, someone's got to feed them. Someone's give them uh, a roof over their head. You know, someone's got to help them work through their emotions, their struggles, their frustrations, and Instead of growing up and learning how to deal with that on their own, they're moving back home and saying, Mom and Dad, can you help me? The problem is if their mom and dad have raised kids like that, their mom and dad probably aren't equipped to help them. So everybody will be miserable. We need to find the solid sweet spot in that. 
That's the spot where our kids are complete feelers and doers, where we have taught them to uh, accept the strong meat and teaching of God's Word, which allows us to know who we are so we can understand what we feel. And understand that our feelings are often driven by our nature and our desires and how those things are confused. And when you're brought up knowing that, whenever you feel a certain way, you just don't give in to that feeling. You just don't give in to that emotion. You stop and ask, what's going on here? What is God trying to teach me through this? The solid sweet spot is right in between legalism and the liberalism of this world. Some parents raise their kids and their kids hate the church and they hate God and hate Jesus because their moms and dads were so rough, so legalistic, so hypocritical about how they were raised or how they were raising them versus how they were living versus those who say, well, we're going to let our kids just be whatever they want to be. We'll let them decide what they want to believe in and where they want to go to church or what they who they think they are, you know, that's the world of liberalism today. We're going to find that sweet spot between legalism and liberalism where we teach our kids to be complete in the way they feel and the the way that they act in this world. But that sweet spot is found in the teachings of Christ Jesus. That's how we become mature. And the thing that prevents us is when we say, well, we're purposefully stupid. I don't need to teach my kids anymore about Jesus. I don't need to know anymore about Jesus. Let's just see how it works out. I wonder how that's going to go. You are aware we don't live in a moral world anymore. We do not live in a Christian-oriented society anymore. We can't count on our teachers, our politicians, um, or uh, anyone to foster the idea of Christian values and ethics in this world. So if they're not learning it from you as a parent or a grandparent or someone who cares about them, they're not going to learn it from the world. That's where complete maturity comes into play. Complete maturity is that idea where we can have a measurable power in our life because we are being fed the solid food that is found in God's Word. When it comes to maturity, we need to consume solid food in the form of strong meat, as the Bible, I think King James renders it strong meat here, by training ourselves through self-denial to distinguish the valuable from the useless. And really, that's our task in life every day. Is, is it valuable for me as a Christian to do this? Then that's what I'm going to do. If it's useless or wasteful, well, then I shouldn't do that. The ability to distinguish good from evil, the valuable from the useless, is that fine line of maturity versus immaturity. Verse 14 says of Hebrews 5, But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So why do we study God's Word? Why do we study about Jesus? Why do we read about Him? Why do I preach to you about Him? It's so that you can tell the difference between good and evil in your life. And know for sure that good is designed to help you mature and grow and be complete as a thinker and a doer and a feeler. Otherwise, you're going to become immature or remain immature, purposefully stupid, and not achieve what God has in store for you in your life. 
We achieve this through God's discipline. God loves us and he disciplines us through his word because he loves us. It might seem unpleasant at times because just like you tell your children, if you have small children and they want to play with um, a sharp knife and you say no, they may think they may be disappointed that they don't get to play with a sharp knife. But if you let them play with a sharp knife because you don't want them to feel something unpleasant, what kind of parent are you? Sorry, I had to have some inflection there. Some of you are asleep already. Sometimes it's unpleasant for us to be disciplined by God, but it is to produce in us bountiful righteousness. God loves us so much that he's not going to let us do stupid things. He's going to let us continue to be purposeful, purposefully stupid. He wants us to realize what he has in store for us so that we can do that. We can achieve that through his discipline. Matter of fact, Hebrews 12, 10 through 12 says it this way. God's discipline or God disciplines us for our good. In order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but it's painful later on, however. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it, who have been trained by it. That same word that we find up in Hebrews uh, 5:13, where we are trained by that good news. We're trained trained by it. I'm sorry, Hebrews 14. We're trained by that. Now the real life application for this is illustrated in what's called the Peter Pan syndrome. The Peter Pan syndrome has been defined as a pattern of unreliability and flaking out emotional outbursts when facing stressful situations, a tendency to make excuses and blame others when things go wrong, and little or no interest in personal growth. Did that make you think of someone when I was saying those things? Don't say, don't say it out loud. It might go through on the, the recording here today. Unreliability, flaking out, emotional outburst, can't deal with stressful situations, always making excuses, blaming others, no interest in personal growth. We might think this is a cultural thing, but it's not. It's a maturity thing. It's a God thing. We're not listening to God, and so we're reaping the harvest of our sin and decisions. You reap what you sow. Now, experts say that this Peter Pan syndrome is caused by overly permissive or overly protective parents. Some are legalists, some are liberal. Same kind of thing produces the same kinds of kids. The solid sweet spot that we're looking for with our kids is so that they can become complete in the way they think and process information so that when something bad happens to them, instead of them saying, oh, this is horrible, Some, everybody hates me, we see it as an opportunity for God to make us stronger. He disciplines us through it. And a lot of times, he's just saving us from our own stupidity or our own lack of vision in life through that discipline. And his purpose is so that we can reap the harvest of blessing. He wants us to share in it that harvest of righteousness and peace because we have been trained by his word. <laughs> now I kind of wonder what a group of mama bear apologists might look like around here. 
Proverbs 22.6 teaches us to train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn away from it. So if we apply this to what we've talked about here this morning, we're training up our children to be complete thinkers, to, complete, to be complete feelers, to be complete doers. And they share in the harvest of God's righteousness and blessing because they have been trained by truth. They've been trained by His discipline, which comes through God's Word. Now, we have a choice. We can either let our children, grandchildren, become part of this world and be purposefully stupid when it comes to matters of Scripture and God's will and Word, or we can invest every single bit of effort and energy that is required for our own children and our own grandchildren to be equipped and trained. It will mean discipline. It will mean we'll have to have times where we talk about what God's Word teaches us versus what the world wants us to do. But that's all good stuff because you're just training in them in righteousness. I can remember the time when, you remember the time when the parents said, you do this and you do that, and the kid says, why or why not? And the parent would say, what? Because I said so. Because I said so. Especially for young people these days, we need to, they'll call us on that. Well, okay. Why do you say so? What's your thinking on this, Father? Uh, what's, your, what's your apothesis about this? And to the parents, instead of saying, just do it because I said so, the authoritarians, now they're like, a kid will want to do something. Yes, or, well, whatever you feel like doing, sweetie. Meh, meh. If that's what you want to do, you want to go jump off all that cliff into the rocks? Well, if you feel like that's what you really want to do. Now, I'm being extreme because most parents wouldn't do that, but that's kind of a metaphor for how we treat kids. You want to, you want to go out and be with your friends and do different kinds of things that are destructive to your behavior? Well, if you feel like it, I don't want to hurt your feelings and I don't want to hurt your psyche, your self-esteem, so go ahead. We're going to find that sweet spot. That sweet spot is found when we teach them what God's Word says, because God's Word not just says, do it because I say so, but it explains in depth over the centuries why it is so important. And it's all there for us to take advantage of if we'll just be trained in that righteousness. God wants you to be mature. He wants your kids and grandkids to be mature, complete, so that they can share in His righteousness and His peace they can reach the goal that he has in store for them in this world. I know how much we love our kids, grandkids. We love them so much we'll follow them anywhere to, and watch them do anything. We'll cheer for them. We'll encourage them. We'll, you know, we'll do lots of things. And last week we had the opportunity to go see Rayan in her, do her dance recital. And it was, uh, she was the best one. I, you don't even have to get the video. I'll just tell you right now. She was the very best uh, dancer of all the, what was it, four and five-year-olds in the area of Troy. But I was just, I was really just, the whole idea of it is interesting in how much effort and interest in, and money is invested in things like that to teach our kids 
And if it brings some value, I'm not going to argue about that, but are we making the same kind of effort or applying the same kind of ingenuity and, and energy into teaching our children and our grandchildren to be beautiful and great in Christ? That's a me and us question that we need to grapple with today. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful as we have considered what your word teaches us about being mature. It is easy for us to just be purposefully stupid. Well, I'm, I'm good enough. I go to church and I drop some money in the offering and I support the things that they do and those are all incredible things and you'll never forget what people have done for you. But help us to understand that we need to show the same diligence as our fathers and heroes of faith. Fathers and mothers who sacrificed and gave and trusted and had faith in you so that they could complete the task you had for them in this world. And then you gave them reward of all eternity. And I pray today that we might consider our children, our grandchildren, kids in our care and we think about them in one dimensional way today what do you have in store for them what great thing can they do in this world that can only be achieved when they complete and are completed by you